I'm Stephen Fowler, and you're listening to Pipe and Drape, the only podcast that spotlights the creative minds behind the theater for young audiences industry. Every two weeks, I sit down with a theater professional to hear their stories about the audition, rehearsal, and development process of theater for young audiences. Each of them have bridged the path from youth to adulthood while working in the theater for young audiences industry. My guests have mounted shows small enough to fit in a minivan to productions so big they travel by caravan. You can join the conversation by emailing pipeanddrapestories at gmail.com or messaging Pipe and Drape Stories on Instagram. This is episode 13 of Pipe and Drape. We're kicking off season two of the podcast with an ongoing Pipe and Drape story about the work that is happening to create more equitable theater, from the table of producers and board members to the faces audiences see on stage. Thank you for listening with me today. Hi, everyone. I'm here with producer, director, social media content creator, Sammy Lopez. He's currently working on the Broadway-bound production of Gun and Powder, the musical adaptation of HBO's How to Dance in Ohio, and a slew of other shows with his team at P3 Productions. Sammy is also a founding member of Second Act Theatrical Capital and the Industry Standard Group, a multicultural commercial investment and producing organization aiming to make theater accessible, inclusive, and more equitable. Sammy Lopez is a champion of the next generation of theater. From the minds behind the business to the action happening on stage, be it in school, gymnocafetoriums, or on Broadway, he's changing the industry from inside out as a producer, educator, and director. He was the program mentor for the BIPOC Commercial Theater Producing Workshop with Theater Producers of Color, and he spoke at the 10th annual TEDx Broadway event in May. Sammy's been behind the scenes as a co-producer of Broadway and Off-Broadway's Be More Chill, which, by the way, was my workout soundtrack the summer of 2019, the associate producer of Bandstand. He worked on The Visit, starring Cheetah Rivera, Mothers and Sons, Jack Thorne's adaptation of A Christmas Carol, and manages the social media campaigns of productions all over the country with Marathon Digital. There is no surprise that his work has been recognized and awarded by the Broadway League and the Schubert Organization. In addition to his work as a producer and marketing leader, Sammy is currently a member of the New 42 Board of Directors at the New Victory Theater and an associate board member and supporting teaching artist with CoLab which is a nonprofit organization offering individuals with developmental disabilities a creative and social outlet through theater. And most recently, he has joined the board of TYA USA and named the first resident director at NYC Children's Theater, where he led their Zoom production of Same, Same, But Different. Sammy, welcome. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's, it's pretty safe to say you, you've been in and making huge strides uh, as, as this industry moves forward and, and changes. So this is, this is so exciting. Um, and I, I'm really excited to hear all about the, the things that you have in, in the works and in mind for the future of theater for young audiences. Well, thank you so much. And, and truly, I, you know, I, I feel like this moment is so vital for us, us members in the TYA community to just amplify and get our mission out there as, you know, the responsibility for making work for 
young people is so important and should be um, taken with such care and, you know, you're uh, leaning into your full artistic um, uh, scope and being able to just change change the world like 1% at a time. I think that's, you know, what, what you're doing to amplify artists in the community is just so, um, so amazing. And so thank you for having me. Of course. Um, so what I want to know is before you became a producer, director, a performer in the theater for young audiences industry, you were a kid watching theater. Do you remember your first experience seeing theater? You know, I, I do like 100%, which is like it, I, I get chills just thinking about it because when I was a kid, I grew up in Los Angeles and my abuelita was my um, my way into the arts. She um, she was just always uh, reading the LA Times front to back. And so she knew everything that was going on in that city. And she would take me around and bring me to see theater and, um, and abstract theater, a theater that wasn't necessarily within the confines of a building. Some of my first memories were going to the gazebo at Aldera Street and seeing the folklorico dancers um, and, you know, being so in awe of not just the idea of people experiencing a story, but the idea of people gathering together and experiencing a story together. It's, you know, that's, I think, what's the most magical part of the work we get to do as theater artists is bringing um, stories to life, but also breathing with other audience members simultaneously and, and taking in emotion and taking in energy that is only created for that singular moment. It's it's really what keeps me going. And um, the very first piece that uh, my abuelita took me to was called Paquito's Christmas. And it was, um, a, you know, truly don't know exactly what the nuts and bolts of that story was. I can't really remember. But what I do remember is that element of the event of going into the theater and and seeing the the lobby um, and how there was just so much commotion. And then all of a sudden we go in and sit down and take in the story. And what was so powerful about that production for me was seeing a little brown boy on stage. And for me, that was something that I hadn't really noticed or taken in at up until that point. And I remember turning to my abuelita after the show and I was like, I want to do that. And I, you know, didn't really know what exactly that was. And clearly I've changed from being a performer now and doing, you know, a bunch of multiple multi facets within the industry and continuing to learn more parts of the industry. But, um, you know, I was, I really looked at that moment as the, that was the key. It was, you know, I saw myself on the stage and I, I felt like I finally belonged somewhere. So from that moment, did you find yourself getting involved with theater as a kid? Yes, I did. And my dad is a musician. And so he was able to really get me, you know, once I shared my interest in the arts, oh, it was like full out, like going into um, uh, music classes, singing in the choir at church, or, you know, finding other ways to bring the arts into my life. And um, I ended up going to a performing arts high school in Los Angeles. And that's when I really kind of made the realization that this was a community that I really wanted to immerse my life in. 
And so, um, so I was, you know, very grateful for the, the fact that I was in Los Angeles and that I was able to be in such close proximity to some amazing theater pieces that were going on around the city, you know, at Center Theater Group or Pasadena Playhouse or the Geffen. There was just so many, um, so many works that I saw as a, you know, teenager that still impact me today. And, and I think about, you know, the first time I heard uh, Luis Valdez and his play uh, Zoot Suit or the first time I heard the name David Henry Wong. And so there, there was, um, you know, such benefit in just taking advantage of the city that I was living in. So what's interesting is, so um, you, you find yourself immersed in, in this city and, and the actors and the, the theater happening on the West Coast. And then you pack up and go to Syracuse, New York to study theater. I had no idea that it was going to be so cold. <laughs> But I guess that was what I got for for leaving the West Coast and going as as cold as I can get. But um, I actually didn't buy a winter coat until like October of my freshman year. And I I was so confused because one day it was like totally sweater weather and the next day was snowing. And I was like, oh, so I guess this is how it works over here. (laughs) When you were at Syracuse, did you have uh any was there any course of study for children's theater yes and i'll I'll say syracuse is possibly the biggest influence for all of all of my creative exploration beyond being a performer you know they really empowered us to think of ourselves as well-rounded artists and um there was a a theater company, a student-run theater company on campus that I got involved with immediately. And that's where I learned the ideas of budgeting or talking to designers or creating a season and developing new works. And one of the professors there, Lorraine Umbekant, created the children's tour that happened at Syracuse Stage. Because Syracuse University, their drama department has a very close relationship with Syracuse Stage. And they put out a tour every fall that would go um, to schools all throughout Northern New York. And the cast would wake up at like six or five in the morning and get in a van and drive, put the setup, do two shows and then drive back. And then you're ready to go to your afternoon classes. And when I saw that that was a, a possibility to be involved in a, with a show like that, um, that was instantly what I wanted to do. And so I, I did a production um, with with Loren, and she really taught me about this idea of the power of metaphor and how important the the themes we introduce to young people are. And she was not afraid to ask those very deep, uh, complex questions and bring up conversation starters. And so I think using theater as a vessel for that conversation is something that Loren introduced me to. And every show we did had a talkback and the talkbacks, you know, were so eye-opening and amazing to see how work, you know, that we would bring to, like you mentioned, the Cafe Gymatorium, <laughs> like seeing the work just inspire kids instantly was, was everything that I, I could have asked for as an introduction to the TYA world. You know, I so believe in, in the power of, you know, when you do ask those deep questions and you build a show incorporating uh, members of the community that we're trying to address in in the show's themes is is so important. And Loren um, provided that foundation, and she actually inspired me to create 
uh, small little fiscally sponsored uh, project that I started here in, in New York right after graduating Syracuse. And we went to the Strand Bookstore and downtown and I went to their children's department and I was like, can you give me a, a picture book every month and I'll turn it and devise it into a 15 minute play for kids in the children's department. And so every month they gave me a book and we created a, a, a small little, uh, we called it stories in 4D and we would take the book, turn it into a show, and then we would have an activity after. And I think of that time as my artistic sandbox because it allowed me to think creatively of, of how we build shows for young people. And so it was all, all from, uh, from my training at Syracuse and um, how I was so inspired by that initial children's tour that I did. So we would push all of the, the tables aside. We would bring in a sound system and we brought in all of the props. And, and I was, um, you know, very inspired by, you know, works like Peter and the Starcatcher where, you know, found objects are um, the way into the storytelling. And I always, you know, imagined um, myself as a kid when I would see a show and I would go home and try and recreate the the show using just things that I would find around my parents' house. And I would make a mess of the kitchen and use spatulas and and different types of pots and pans as my set and props. And my mom would be like, where's this kitchen thing? And I'm like, sorry, I'm using it for my show. <laughs> I I love that, especially as as a kid who um did stuff like that like in my basement. Like I would make stages out of like Fisher Price furniture. As a kid, I was obsessed with the Nutcracker. And so I would like have different sheets and pieces of fabric that I would put over chairs. I'm like, this is Mother Ginger now. It, it definitely was. It got to a point where um, we would go to like the 99 cent store and I would be like, okay, can I get a few ex- extra things that I could use for my props? <laughs> oh gosh, that's so funny. I, you know, I think that that's... Um, part of the, to me, the accessibility of theater, you know, when you're able to create something that feels like an audience member can do it too. Like to me, that's, that's the point of this work. It's, it's to invite people into the community and to invite them into this imaginative space that's beyond comprehension. So it's, you know, I think that's that's partially, you know, why I loved creating those shows at Strand because it allowed allowed me to connect with New York in a way that I hadn't before. You know, I, I started that project like a few months after moving here. So it was um, it was a great way to introduce myself to the world of TYA. Speaking of community and creating a community, you moved here and you went from doing TYA to broadening your spectrum of work to include Broadway. And now as a producer, a board member, just leader in the community, you're trying to expand who is at the table of people who are creating the shows, like the stories we're telling, the performers who are telling them. And the people behind the productions that are funding them and making these decisions. What was the the, the bridge between uh, creating theater for young audiences at the Strand to where you are today? 
you know, it's, it's kind of hard to create a clear line. I think the trajectory of where I have ultimately worked is stems from a piece of advice that I got from uh, Robert Moss, who is um, a Syracuse uh, guest speaker. And, um, you know, I, it's kind of what I said earlier, how Syracuse was so informative for a lot of my artistic life. It's a piece of advice he gave us was um, to think of our careers as, you know, of the yes and, and really leaning into saying yes and, and not allowing um, uh, your, you know, self-consciousness or how, how sometimes it's, we're quick to say, no, we can't do that or no, we're not qualified for that. And really stepping into the confidence of, you know, as long as we're operating from a place of values and a place of, you know, really wanting to be artistic and do the work. Like, I think that we'll be able to figure it out. And Bob Moss, you know, he said, he was like, say yes and figure it out. And and I really took that to heart. And so when I was trying to, um, you know, explore my work in TYA, it was simultaneously like the same time Instagram came out. And I started interning for producers, uh, you know, from the perspective of saying like, hey, there's this new platform that we can utilize to talk about our shows on. And so um, I got involved with the New York Musical Theater Festival back when it was still active. And I was working with multiple shows in the course of a summer, um, helping them advertise their shows on social media. And I was also assisting on the general management team. So I was getting this real glimpse at the finances of how Off-Broadway works and specifically a festival like Nymph that, um, you know, did up to 30 full productions a summer. Um, It was just such an eye-opening experience. And through that, I met a, a whole new group of artists that were on their way to building shows that were Broadway bound. And so I was able to just connect and, and really build out my um, opportunities through, through social media and, and social media kind of has stayed as my lifeline throughout my work as an artist, because so much of producing and directing and, um, you know, developing new work, there's so, um, few opportunities to get paid in that process. So social media was really helpful for me to, to um, become an expert in and, and really provide a sense of uh, stability for myself while I, I built out an artistic career as well. But I ultimately um, got involved with uh, Mothers and Sons. That was the first show that I uh, did on Broadway as an assistant and literally did that um, after being on tour with Theater Works. I was doing Susical the Musical and um, I was on the road with them for about three months. And while I was on tour, you know, I was having this deep like reckoning within myself of like, do and I was on tour as an actor and so I was contemplating I was like is this what I actually want to do or do I do I like doing that like management like uh social media stuff back in New York City like so I was torn and so I I ultimately made the jump and decided to intern on Mothers and Sons and that was really my first step into the world of Broadway producing and I saw such a connection between you know, the way that 
commercial theater operates, the way that nonprofit theater operates, and the way that theater for young audiences operate, you know, a, a common thread that I saw was the people that were sitting at the tables um, making those big decisions. There was so there was so little representation in terms of um, gender and racial diversity, and um, I realized that, you know, as I was being a sponge in all of these rooms and just so grateful for the opportunity to even be in the room, I, I felt like I, I recognized that the representation was not there. And so I was sitting there just questioning the systems of like, why, why aren't people here? And to me, it came down to the invitation. There's, there's so few invitations that are out there, especially to communities, uh, to underrepresented communities, you know, and as I was, um, you know, being introduced to more commercial theater, Broadway driven work, I was seeing more and more lack of representation at the top. And um, so that really inspired a lot of my work today. It's, um, you know, examining the, the professional development process of how we get people into the room and how we invite people into the room at an earlier stage and recognizing the, the value of if we're trying to create a theater experience that is addressing a specific community and we don't build the piece without that community in the room along the way, then we're actually doing just a huge disservice to making the best piece of art that we can. It's like, you know, ultimately, you know, I, I think that the most impactful stories are when there's, it's baked in authenticity. So that's really where a lot of my dedication towards building, building community and building um, development around community is important to me. This is so exciting, especially because uh, you're also doing this work in children's theater where it's like, you know, kids, it's people's first exposure to theater as a kid. And so it's really, you know, creating new important work with new people for new audiences. And so they're, they're growing up in a theater community that's going to be different than, you know, what we've seen throughout the last century. Um, so uh, can you talk a little bit about your your work with um, NYC Children's Theater uh, as their new resident director? Yes, um, you know, it's it's been pretty remarkable to join a team like New York City Children's Theater because they have had, this is their 25th season currently, and, um, you know, they're just, um, you know, re-emerging uh, into doing live performance again and, um, so the way that we've introduced this idea of community into the way we build shows is so, um, so exciting. You know, there's an amazing uh, affinity group that came out of the pandemic, um, specifically within TYA USA, addressing, you know, theater for young audiences and how we build um, and develop from an anti-racist perspective and making sure that we're introducing concepts and themes that are beneficial to a young person's growth and not actually perpetuating, um, you know, themes that historically have, have just made theater not fully accessible for all communities. So, um, you know, I think starting with um, this concept of brave space standards, has been hugely impactful in, in my development process for a new work. You know, understanding that there's really no such thing as a safe space, but building, you know, brave space standards that can 
ultimately um, empower everybody to show up to a space that is that is best for them and addresses their accessibility needs or addresses their uh, just offering the space to to share um, where we're coming into the work from, I think is step one. And so um, it's been impactful to implement these new types of strategies into the workflow, um, you know, bringing in consultants, um, creating brain trust, uh, kind of smaller roundtable discussions, including community members that the the script is currently addre- uh, directly addressing. And so it's it's really thinking outside the box. And, you know, my mom's a kindergarten teacher. So I feel like ever since I was a kid, a lot of my daily life was kind of inspired by uh, learning strategies and goals. And like um, she, uh, my mom was very much um, bringing education into everything we did as a family, and which was, which I think is in part why I, um, I really respond to this type of development work of, you know, ha- coming into a space with more questions than we have answers. And so we're, we're developing quite a bit with New York City Children's Theater right now. And every process begins with, you know, what, what is the story we're trying to say and who are, who are we trying to speak to? And I think when you just start out with those, those types of questions, ultimately, um, it's going to bring the right people to the table to help develop that. What's coming up for this next season for NYC Children's Theater as far as new work or old work that's being revived um, and uh, I guess plans to to bring this to the five boroughs of New York? The question of programming is always kind of uh, being addressed in the work process of identifying themes and identifying communities that we can reach in, in New York City. You know, we have the capability to make such an impact. And, you know, a piece that I'm currently developing that um, I'm really excited about is um, actually a piece inspired by my abuelita. And, um, you know, it's a piece for the theater for the very young. So, um, you know, it's a very specific age demographic. And to me, that is our most vulnerable community. Those are, like you mentioned, our, our first time audience goers. You know, this is the the step one to introducing the next theater lover to art. And so the piece that I'm I'm developing is coming from a place of community of how do you integrate the five boroughs into this development? And um, my abuelita is a marathon runner. And so um, the piece is uh, in tandem with the New York City Marathon. And that's a piece that, you know, that event goes through every part of the city. And so um, it's been really exciting to be in the very early stages of that development process. And um, I'm, you know, planning to um, integrate teaching artists into the, the development of that process as well. And so... Uh, it's likely going to be, be premiering in 2023. So, you know, we have some time until um, we actually get the piece on its feet. But um, I think a lot of the core questions come around, like how, how do we make theater that addresses the location we're in? 
this piece is directly addressing the the five boroughs of New York, and we want to make sure that that's represented in in the piece. Um, and therefore, we'll introduce two young, really very young audiences um, at that stage. And another show that um, uh, we are working on is uh, Fish in a Tree, um, which is uh, inspired by a, a young adult uh, book. And um, we've been hosting readings on Zoom throughout the last few months. And um, it's specifically talking about dyslexia and the ways the ways dyslexia is talked about in the education system. And it's been so powerful to bring in um, thought leaders from uh, the community to speak with our book writer and to think about ways in which um, dyslexia is often not spoken about in education systems and how we can support this conversation to even exist. You know, it's it's amplifying, amplifying all types of learners. And um, I'm really excited about that because we're constantly learning new strategies that are in, informing us and directly going into the show. So it's um, it's been uh, a big, a big learning process that I think is only making the show deeper. You're also part of New 42. Yes, when I moved to New York, one of the first shows that I saw was a piece at the New Victory. And I immediately became obsessed with the theater and um, learned everything I could about ways to get involved. And, you know, this was simultaneous to me, you know, really learning about social media and, and interning on Broadway shows. So there was just a lot going on, but the new victory always remained like this core, like center piece for me of like a goal to get in, get involved with that organization. And um, I would like get off the train, get off the A train on 42nd and like walk by the new victory. And so like every day, like it would always be in my head of like, oh, I can't wait to get involved with them one day. And then um, during the pandemic, my uh, producing partner is also involved with the new victory and new 42. And so she introduced the idea of joining their board. And that was, um, you know, beyond my wildest dreams to, to be able to uh, understand what what that means. You know, I, I didn't really have any perspective of um, what it means to be a board member and, um, you know, have a seat at the table at a theater that I've admired for so long. And, um, you know, with Mary Rose Lloyd as the artistic director and Russell Grannon as the executive director, I, you know, have just really um, been fully immersed in the company of seeing how their impact and how their education team really impacts the city. And um, throughout the pandemic, the reach has just gone beyond the confines of the five boroughs, but it's it's gone, you know, international and, you know, across the country by, by way of Zoom and by way of, you know, digital theater. You know, the company itself, um, the organization, you know, does a lot of a lot of different work, but what what I love is that they bring um, international theater and present it um, at the New Victory. So there's companies from all over the world that uh, young people get exposed to um, because they're able to bring them in to um, present. And to me, it's uh, you know being able to 
have that cross-cultural connection. Like there's something about being able to bring cultures together. And I think the new victory does that so beautifully with the shows that they bring in. And so, you know, I, I think there's this other element of professional development that I'm extremely inspired by with the New Victory, with their, um, the New Victory Usher Corps. And, you know, uh, high schoolers are utilizing that process and it, it allows them to have their first um, job in the theater as a, a part of the Usher team. And so it's like um, a step of professional development that is that invitation to being involved in the arts in a way that's not just as an actor or as a stage manager or a director, but it's front of house. It's like, what other positions are there that we can create opportunity to um, introduce new people to jobs in the theater that aren't just the ones that we see in headlines? Um, and in addition to creating and bringing work um, to the new victory in New York, you also are a board member on TYA USA, which is national. What are some of your responsibilities um, as a board member for TYA USA? I went to my first TYA USA uh, conference a few years before the pandemic when um, we were still able to gather in, in that large of a group. And it was at the Alliance Theater. And stepping into that conference, like not uh, not fully knowing what to expect, um, I left fully obsessed with the TYA USA organization in, in the way that, um, in a similar way as to what I love about um, being a producer, we often create work in our own silos, in our own little individual lanes or in TYA USA's point of view, you know, each theater organization creates their work within their institution and the way that their institution operates. But TYA to me is that connector. It's connecting different institutions and organizations and theater makers and inspiring conversation within each other. And, you know, I, I make that comparison to producing because, you know, as a producer, like we make our own little startups and build our shows and they go up and they have their own individual lives, but producers don't often talk to each other and information share of what's successful or what's not successful or, or who's holding me accountable or who's holding that producer accountable. And, and so to me, TYA is doing a similar process in, in making that conversation and that connection between um, organizations and allowing us to now introduce accountability in a real tangible way and asking us to hold each other accountable of, um, you know, how, how do we look at executive leadership and the professional development to um, bring in new leadership or to expand, expand the staff to um, be more representative of the local communities that they're serving. So I, I feel, um, you know, with my specific job in TYA USA, I've, I've only been on the board for about a year. So I'm still really in that early stage of getting to know the ins and outs of the organization. But what I can say is like, my my biggest um, role so far has really been, you know, trying to find ways to continue that connection within uh, organizations and leaders and teaching artists and um, being a true resource for the community at large. Um, I see TYA as a movement. I see it as a, a very 
critical piece of of audience development. And I and I think it's um, to me it it feels like we um, we need to be seen as essential. Like we are essential in the development of humans. You know, we introduce so many new concepts to young people. So you know, having a an organization that's um, leading leading the conversation as to how we can continue to evolve as an industry, I think is so important. And I I feel very grateful that I can be a part of some of these conversations that will hopefully change the industry in five, 10, 20 years. You know, I think within uh, all of the organizations that I'm involved with and the shows that I'm trying to develop right now, it seems like I am operating in very different um, lanes in terms of what's Broadway or what's TYA or what's social media. But to me, they're all driving down the same path. And, you know, if we're able to, you know, encourage the industry to constantly interrogate itself, then ultimately, I think we're going to see the art and, and the impact of that interrogation. So, you know, I think that's what what is my personal connector to all of the different projects I'm involved in? It's, it comes down to just um, staying curious and, and wanting to um, embrace the change and also know that change doesn't happen fast. And so, you know, staying resilient throughout the change is also a hard lesson to uh, come to terms with, but it's, I think it's the only way that we can move forward. Sammy, thank you for speaking with me today. How can our listeners uh, get in touch with you or see what you're working on? Yeah, I mean, I um, have an Instagram or Twitter handle that's shlopez21, or as I like to say, shlopez. Um, uh, and um, sammy-lopez.com uh, is another way to um, to stay in touch. You know, I think. Um, even though I am a social media person, I am awful at checking my DMs. So, so um, yeah, but that's that's possibly the best way to just stay in touch with what's what's next. And um, you know, you'll also get a lot of nice uh, puppy photos, <laughs> <laughs> which is truly what we need. Be sure to keep an eye out for all of Sammy's upcoming work wherever you find your theater news. You can join the conversation about theater for young audiences and find more Pipe and Drape content, including photos, quotes, and TYA news on Instagram at Pipe and Drape Stories. And please be sure to rate and review Pipe and Drape wherever you listen to podcasts. Each star given and review submitted helps future listeners find the show. Be sure to tune in every other Tuesday to hear theater for young audiences' creatives share their Pipe and Drape stories. Pipe and Drape is created and hosted by Stephen Valla and distributed by Anchor. The Pipe and Drape logo was created by Stephen Gordon and music was composed by Stephen Valla. Thank you for listening with me today.